looking at this verse, literally, for, I think, three weeks. And we've been, I think, 11 or 12 messages in this first 13 verses of chapter 10. And I'm not going to rehash a lot of this because I have a lot that I want to cover today. Because this puts a bow on this uh, through uh, chapter 8 through chapter 10, 13. And I want us to understand what he's teaching us. He's coming out of chapter 9, 27. He says, don't do anything to make yourself useless or disqualified to God. All right? He's not talking about salvation here, brothers and sisters. He's talking about saints who join together collectively as a group of individuals that are united in the supernatural power of God and bear witness to the unity, to the power of he who holds it all together, he who has a plan, he who is drawing it to its conclusion. You've got to get a hold of this. I see Christians, many Christians today have managed, in our country, have managed to compartmentalize Jesus Christ. We've literally done what the cults try to do. Uh, You cannot separate the Bible from Jesus Christ. They're one entity. You cannot separate the church from Jesus Christ. They're one entity. Uh, I see people taking off and saying, I have, quote unquote, this ministry, but they leave the church to do this ministry. That's not biblical. Now, listen, I'm not saying that God won't use it. And I and I do know. Oh, I know the shortcomings of the church. Okay, but everybody who's ever spent any time in the body of believers understands the shortcomings of the church. And many of the shortcomings come from this very text. Did you understand that? What is amazing about this, I don't see where it says that I'm supposed to have this degree or I'm supposed to have this education. And once I get enough information, then I am useful for God. Jesus Christ himself was tested and then he began his ministry. Okay, now let me tell you something. If you want to go through a test, you better know in whom you believe. But if you try to go through the test in your own power, your own understanding, your own strength, you will find yourself useless for what the Lord is doing. Okay, and I've got a question, Castle Rock Baptist Church. Are you being used? For the, and I, when I talk about being used for the kingdom of God, you're bearing eternal fruit. Okay, I'm not talking about making people feel good. I'm not talking about do I give enough money or do I give this or I give that. I'm talking about dealing with the deep things of God in a way that my faith, as we have sung, has a resting place and that here I am, send me for whatever it is. Please understand it. That's what I'm trying to get at through this text. Now, I shared with you this word, no temptation. Okay, now, if you ask today temptation, and what we would conclude was is that has an evil connotation to it in our society today as Christians. All right, the truth of the matter is, in the original language, temptation is like the word you see, lust. It is literally morally neutral, and it context defines whether it's a bad thing or a good thing. And I showed you that. You'll have to get the CDs or tapes or whatever if you want to hear all and understand all that. So, but I want you to understand, okay, when I speak now, I'll speak of tests 
And then I'll speak of temptations because what will happen is that I get into a test and if I try to internalize that test, then it will become a temptation. It still is not sin. Okay, we looked at this, James chapter 1. Um, it is still not sin, and yet if I let that temptation, a solicitation to evil, it, will, it is the key of lust. And the key of lust unlocks sin. All right? So you've got to understand that. That's where we're at right now. We looked at that as James chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. You can go back and you can look at it. The key as a Christian so that I can be useful to God is to understand that I will be tested. I as a Christian have to keep my tests as tests. Do not let it be a foothold unto temptation. Okay? Everybody's with me, all right? Because I have to be tested, all right? The word literally means to see what it's made out of, to test its metal. It was used in in metallurgy to, if they would take a metal, they would put acid on it to see if it was pure, or they would put it in fire and burn the dross off of gold, and when they poured it out, they would have pure gold, okay? So when you see the word test or temptation, Understand, you have to go. You will be tested. If you are truly saved today, you are either in a test, finishing a test, or preparing to enter the next test. You've got to get a hold of this. And if you think that you're not, then you've either deceived yourself, or you're a fool, or you're not saved. You're not saved. So when a test becomes a temptation, I start internalizing the situation and it becomes lust is activated and lust is the key to sin. All right. So Christian, by the fact that you've had to hear this message, the war is on. Gee, don't you feel better? I don't hear anybody saying they feel better. There is going to be test. Don't let it go to a temptation. Why? Look what he says. No temptation has overtaken you. Okay? But such as is common to man. The word there, common to man, is um, anthropos. You get anthropology from it. And it literally means it's human. Okay, what he's saying is none has taken you but such as human. That's what he's saying. No temptation has taken you but that that is human. And you know what? I believe that many of us fall into this, perhaps the Corinthians, and we believe that we have a test and all of a sudden it is superhuman. It is supernatural. And therefore, oh my gosh. And all that does is stuff you over into what I call Flip Wilson theology. You know what Flip Wilson theology? Some of you ain't old enough to know who Flip Wilson is. If, if you're not, act like you do. Okay, he was a comedian and he had this one skit that he said, the devil made me do it. Okay, that's Flip Wilson theology. We think that we get into a test and all of a sudden this test becomes, it was the devil or a demon or it was this supernatural thing happened to us. 
All right? You know what my theological understanding is for that? Baloney. That's silly. Okay? You've never had, we've never had anything but that that is human. Whatever the test, whatever the trial, whatever the proving of my mettle, even if I stumbled and it became a temptation, even if I stumbled and the temptation became a sin, you need to understand that it was only human. It was only human. Lord, I'm trying, but I'm having these supernatural tests and I'm just overwhelmed and beat up and ground into powder. Okay? It was the demons. If it hadn't been them demons, I've seen this. They claim that there's a demon now for sexual immorality. There's a demon for alcoholism. There's a demon for cancer. There's a demon for this and there's a demon for that. No, it ain't. They're not. They're all external. John says, here's how you overcome them. Guard yourself from lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Where are those? They are all external pushing on me okay you've never had any test in your life nor will you ever have a test in your life other than human okay no test that you will ever go through hasn't a plethora of people already been through it there aren't any new ones. Did you know that? Well, you just don't understand. The heck I don't. It's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I don't care what the test is. It comes through those three vehicles. Human testing is common to humans. It ain't really that complicated. But what do we do with it? You know, I think about Job. Job says, you know what? We were born in trouble. And trouble rises up like sparks out of a fire to the heavens. Okay, Jesus said this. You will have trouble in this world. I was born in trouble. It's going to be here. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, did you know that the temptation of Jesus Christ were never more than anything human? Did you know that? Every test, three tests by Satan himself. And this is after 40 days of fasting. Okay? 40 days of, now I'm hungry. Okay? What was the first test? If you are the son of God, make these rocks into bread. Okay? What happens if Jesus does that? Who is he obedient to? Satan. Satan. What was the second test? Took him up on a high pillar of the temple, right? And said, if you are the son of God, cast yourself off. Right? What did Jesus say? Don't test the Lord your God. What did he say in the first one? Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God. What was the third test? All the kingdoms that ever will be maintained by man will lay before Jesus and Jesus and Satan says, I'll give you every one of those if you do what? Bow down and worship me. What was Jesus' response? 
You know, I don't remember. What was Jesus' response? You shall have no other gods before me. Okay. Now, what were the tests? Lust of the eyes? Lust of the flesh? Pride of life. Right? Now, I shared that with you because in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, it says this. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are what? Tempted, tested, tried, proven. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Now this, I'm telling you, this is killing the church today in America. Or a lack of understanding this. How many ways was he tempted? Let me give you other text that comes out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says this. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things, yet without sin. All right? 4 and 5, he's talking about the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's there to intercede. Now grab this because I want you to understand this. A priest's responsibility was to take the people to God. Into the presence of God. He says, now you have a great high priest. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Whose presence is he in? God's presence. Now, it says that he was tempted in all ways. So he understands what about you? Why would you seek counsel from anybody else? Why? I'm in a test. That my Lord has already, if you read chapter 2, he was the forerunner, the path cutter. He's the one who set the pace. He's the one who set the trail. And he says, all I want you to do is follow me. Follow my trail. So if you're in a test this day, what are you leaning on? Are you understanding, doing it in your knowledge? You know what is so cool about this? Jesus was tempted three times by Satan. This is after 40 days of not eating. Okay? And you know why that's in Scripture? It's for you and me. It's for you and me. If you look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, most Christians, especially if you come out of the Baptist background, it will tell you that you are indwelt by who? Spirit of living God. And we see that. It's in Romans. I agree. Amen. All right. But who are you really indwelt with? Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and God. So every Christian should be multi-personalities. Right? So people want to know how I act, the way I act. Now you know. Okay. He was tempted like we are, yet never had a temptation above the human realm. Why? James chapter 1 verse 13 says God can't be tempted by evil. Did you get that? God can't be tempted by evil. You know what that means? He can't even sort of be tempted by evil. Do you understand that? It's not even like a, well, kind of tempted. No, it is an impossibility. So when Jesus was tested, what was tested? Humanness. Okay? Jesus didn't have any superhuman temptations. He had the very same ones that you and I have. 
That's why he's the faithful high priest. Why? He only relates to you and I. Through what? Every single test that you ever will go through. And he has covered the same ground as you and I. You got that? Now I want to take you to a text. This one here is going to hurt your feelings, but that's my gift. James, yeah, James chapter 5. I'm not here to hurt your feelings, but I am here because God has really beat me ragged with this, and I feel like I should share. Okay, James chapter 5, verse 16. Here's an amazing thing. Okay, chapter 5, verse 16. Okay, he's speaking of prayer. Now, you've got to understand that the epistle of James is a letter dealing with suffering. Okay, temptations, tests that sometimes you stumble at. You know what? Sometimes tests just hurt. Okay, here's what he says. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be, what does it say? Healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. All right, he's coming out of the fact, is any one of you suffering? There must be prayer. All right, then he makes this statement. Confess one another. Anybody want to stand in that line? Why does he say that? You know why he says that? I really, my prayer for you all is that you get this. You look at this group that is here today, and do you realize that we're all in the same boat? Do you realize that we're all under testing? Do you all realize that every test that you're dealing with, somebody else has already been through? And yet, what do we do when we get into that test? We run and hide. I don't want to confess that. I ain't going to tell nobody. Why? Epsilon, gamma, omega is the reason why. Did you know that? Epsilon, Gamma, Omega. That would be the pride of life. Ego. Every personal pronoun in the New Testament that is pr- translated I, me, or that kind of mind is Epsilon, Gamma, Omega. My ego doesn't let me confess. You know, I've had two people in my ministry of this church of 10 years that have come to me. And I... <laughs> Two, two people have come to me and they said, Terry, I would ask that you would call me any time that you see me doing something wrong. That takes a lot of, that takes humility to do that. To walk up to me and say, if you see me in something or you see me headed towards something, will you please tell me? You know, there's many of you have kept me out of trouble. And you never even knew it. You probably had the problem. You came to me and shared it. And I said, they're going, ding, and the light came on. Okay? And I said, well, I was running in the same ditch you were. Okay? And then, then, then we do the thing. Who was following who? But I don't... <laughs> but I want you to understand. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this. We can bear one another's... What? Burdens. How does it come out of that? You who are spiritual see any brother in any... Any... What? Trespass. You who are spiritual do what? Bear the burden. Bear the burden. You understand that? You understand that? Do you understand that when you enter into the bonds of of matrimony that we call uh, marriage, 
that part of the reason that you have that other person is to what? Bear one another's burdens and confess your sins to one another. But you know what? It even gets bigger than that. Do you know what the body of Christ is for? You know, that's one of the things about the church that we've missed, I think. The church is not a place of, of perfect people. It's actually a hospital for sick Christians. That's what it's for. But we want it to be this thing, right? And yet the truth of the matter is, if we're running around confessing our sins to one another, you got a bunch of sick people. I guarantee you, the test that you are in this day, somebody else has already been in it. You know what? Somebody else may even be in it at the same time. Somebody else has already had victory over it, and yet you, in your ego, in your pride of life, refuse. Or, here's what we'll do. We'll find out who our insurance carrier is. I'll go through the Christian counselor's manual. I'll find me one, and I'll go talk to a stranger. See what we did? What did you just do? First verses I ever memorized in my entire life were Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know what it says next? Lean not on your own understanding. How many of you in this room right now are leaning on your own understanding? Have you ever wondered why maybe your path ain't straight? Because he said, if I trust in the Lord and don't lean on my own understanding, what does he do? Makes your path straight. You know what's cool about him, though? He never shows you the path. He shows you the next step. The next step. Well, that's the walk of faith. Well, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to take the next step. And you need to understand this in light of our context. It says, do you want to be useful as a witnessing community of the testimony of the Most High God. Yes, then understand, you will be tested. Guaranteed. And if you're not tested, you've either flunked, you've deceived yourself, or you're not saved. You know, confess to one another, I can't do that, you just don't understand what I've done. Yeah, right. No, you don't understand what I've done. All right? Do you understand that you can't do something? You know what? You can't even think of something that someone else hasn't already done. That's depressing. I mean, I thought I was creative in my sin. No, it's already been done. There's probably a book written on it. You think you've done something to no one else? You think you've got a new one? But it says it's only common to anthropos, men, man, human. So like I said, two people have come to me in my 10 years as senior pastor here. And they said that, you know, I want you to hold me accountable. And um, I do. I do. Okay. You are in the human race. Sorry. And there is no temptation that just isn't plain common to every human being. Jesus' test, what? Lust of the eyes? Think of it from this perspective. The desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
Okay? We all have the same tests. They don't change. I know you'd like to think that you got a dandy, but you don't. We share with one another. We pour our hearts out to one another. We bear one another's burdens. We confess our sins to one another so that we can hold each other up. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Why? That's love. Love covers a multitude of sin. You know why? We're all in the same boat. Do you know that? Let me show you something. Uh, some of you know the, some of the struggles that I've had in the last year. I want to show you a text. And this was reaffirmed to me the other day, the other Wednesday night we were studying. And, and I want to share this to you because I think people don't understand who I am or what I'm about at times. The thing is, is, the only thing you know about me is what you see on Sunday morning. You have no idea who I am or what I'm about. Okay? Um, where was it? Uh, first, this shows you how well I know mine, huh? What? 2-7. That's it. All right. Here's, here's a pastor's heart. Now, this, now I've got to be honest with you. God had to whip me on this one. Okay, and I'll be honest with you. I taught this a few years ago, and, and I cherished it at the time that I taught it. But I just want you to understand it because this is the pastor's heart. Okay, a shepherd's heart. This is Terry's heart. Okay. Here's what it says. Verse 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We proved, and I, and I shared on Wednesday night, that I always insert I. Okay, because this is Paul, he's talking about Silas and Timothy are with him, but he says, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother generally cares for her own children. Can I, there's a picture, okay, right? But if you really think about it, he comes out of this and he says, we never came to you, verse 5, came to you with flattering speech, as you know, with a pretext for greed, God is a witness. Nor did I seek the glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might assert our authority. We proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also what? Our own lives. Because you have become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor, our hardship, how working night and day. And he goes through there, but I want you to see this other part of it. Uh, He concludes this thing. He says, do you not know that for you are our hope, you are our crown of exaltation, not even you in the presence of the Lord and his coming? Do you understand that? You know, uh, I was talking with my brother and, and, and he said, why don't people come to church? They don't understand that right there. They don't understand that. They haven't got a clue what that is. Why? When they get into a test, when they get into a trial, what did most people do? Think about it. When you're in a test, when you're in a trial, what is the first response that you have in that test, that trial? Well, if I refinance, I can get this to happen. Right? Well, maybe if I do this, then this will happen. Or maybe, you know, if we, me and my husband or me, my wife and my husband or whatever, we'll all just go have a counseling session. We can get this bugger fixed. 
But my kids are doing this and this and this, and therefore I need to what? Do you know how hard that is on the heart of a pastor? You know, I've had people say, well, you say you don't counsel. Not in the mode and the mentality that man has promoted. But I don't know how you can make disciples of all peoples and not be counseling. But I don't know how you can make disciples of all people and not be counselable. Can you be taught? See, we pour ourselves into one another. And you know what? I agree. There's some in the church that just take and take and take and take. And you know when it says we're supposed to stop? Never. Well, but that person, I don't care. So he's telling the Corinthians, he's telling you and I, you're never going to face anything superhuman. And you know what I get out of that? You got no excuse. There's a promise in this text. You know what the promise is? He's faithful. If it's a human temptation, I want you to think, I got a great big, see that right there? It's a big yellow or big um, pink thing. You know what the word in the middle of it says? Cool. That's what it says. Cool. Then I have a blue star and that really means I need to read what I'm about to say. Why? Cool. Here's why. If it's a human temptation and it's common to all men and I only have a divine resource, then how can I handle it? Cool. It's only human and my resource to overcome it is only divine. Cool. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know why? This test is guaranteed. I guarantee you every one of you going to get tests and tested. And you know what? It's really cool is when you get into them point where you have multiple tests at once. Okay? Which isn't bad if they're like multiple choice. But every once in a while he'll give you a handful of multiple choice tests and a written exam. In our humanist, it's going to come. But you know what he says here in our text? God is faithful. It's something that you can handle and you can't blame him for letting it become a temptation. You know what? I, I share this with you people because um, we had a meeting this week and, and, and I, people are saying, we want to help you. We want to be accountable to you. We want you, know, you to have accountability. We want you to have people around you who are of the same mindset and to know that we're all walking the same. And I, you know, be careful. Be real careful because men come up with brilliant ideas like that. Okay, you guys don't understand. Do you know your being here this day encourages and holds me accountable? Do you know that some of the stuff that you go through and you've sought my counsel, or you actually you sought God's counsel on through me, I've had to go through it right behind you? And you never knew it. I don't want up to say, hey, by the way, did you know I was tailgating you? I really wish we would grab a hold of this because the body dynamic, this thing that we call, quote unquote, the church is a living organism and it all depended on one another. It isn't a matter of 
who are you accountable to or who are you accountable to? First and foremost, I am accountable to God who sees not even that. He even sees the thoughts and the tents of the heart. Okay, get a hold of that. Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that? Because if you believe that, it is very difficult to get into a temptation out of a test. Why? He's seeing me. He knows what I'm thinking. I should stop. Why? It's a human test and I have a divine resource. Look what it says in our text. 1 Corinthians 10. God is faithful. Simple statement. It literally means he's trustworthy. You know what? It's sort of like God keeps his promises. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. The faithful God he is called who keeps his promises and his mercies. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. This would be a good title for a song. Great is thy faithfulness. What? Ask yourself a question. Is he faithful? No, 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 no. Don't just sit there and say, well, he's preaching and he's read off a couple of verses. I got to say yes. Does your life show God's faithfulness? I as an individual, listen, don't try to blame the spouse. Adam, Eve tried that. Didn't work. Okay. So I tried that early and he made her and he laughed. Yeah, but you wanted her. Okay, so, Psalms 89, I need to move on, don't I? Psalms 89, your faithfulness reaches the heavens. Please hurry. <laughs> reaches the heavens, right? <laughs> Psalms 36, your faithfulness reaches the clouds. It's over and over in Scripture. We already looked at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful. You know what he says? 1 Thessalonians chapter, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, at the conclusion, he says, the Lord be with you. Why? He's faithful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, the Lord is faithful. Job chapter 5, verse 19, he shall deliver you out of six troubles. Yes, out of seven. Okay, seven means complete to the Hebrew. So which trouble will the Lord deliver you out of? Seven, don't do eight. <laughs> No, it means that everything that happens, He will take care of it. But what do we do? We help Him. He's going to take care of everything. Why? He is faithful. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to humanity. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He promises you'll never have more than you are able to endure. Do you get that? You can't get into a situation that God says you can't handle. I don't know about you. I'm glad God's faithful. God says, I love you. You know what? He means it and he keeps it. You know, God says, I saved you. You know what? I've prepared a place for you. Guess what? He means it and he keeps it. All right, now I want you to remember we, a couple of weeks ago, last week I guess it was, Matthew's ch- Gospel, chapter 6, verse 13, the prayer, how to pray. Lead us not into temptation, right? 10 13 is the fulfillment of that prayer. 
Got that? The answer to the prayer is 1013. What? He will not lead you into temptation. That place where the test becomes a temptation. Trials we cannot handle, he will not give you. He will not give you. You know what I like? Here it says, he never will. Well, but you don't understand. Oh, stop. Have you got into the resources? Are you faithful to a body of believers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry? Are you in your word in your own time? Is Christ ruling your life? Are you prayerful? See, you can't. Remember, it's the the three-legged stool. I can't do two out of three and say, well, I can't understand. All right? It's the body of Christ. Why? You have people that you can confess to. You have people who are saying, you know what? I'll help you carry that thing. You have that. He has gifted men and give them as gifts to the church. For what? Equipping the saints for the work of service. That's his plan. And yet, what do we do? Some of us live a life that says he's not faithful. He will never lead us into a situation that we don't have the resources to get out of. People in sin don't take advantage of the resources. People who take a test and fall into temptation don't believe. You know what the first temptation that ever existed as humanity was? First temptation. Has God said... First temptation. First test. How you doing? Well, uh, you know, that was when they had a little bitty Bible. It just says, do not eat of this tree. Okay? But, I mean, you know, they couldn't even memorize that right. Don't even eat of it or touch it. Uh, you missed it. And then as soon as you do that, as soon as you grab a hold of a text, you grow it out of context, you grab a hold of it, the enemy says, you got this one. Because they don't really know. With the test, look what he says here. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with, I want you to look at something here, okay? Now, New American Standard, I want to show you this. But with the temptation will provide the way, mine says of, it should be the. The temptation and thus escape. You know what I'm trying to get at? I don't know. Um, definite articles. Okay? Implication. One. One. With the test, there is a way of escape. All right? Now then. I, and then I've told some of you this before, and I'll, I'll apologize. I'll tell you that I'm wrong. Sometimes we get into the temptation and we don't look for the way of escape. I mean, we've got all these ways of escape, right? Have, have you heard me say that? Some of you said that. I was wrong. It's one way. Do you get that? Every temptation, every test, there is one way of escape. I like that myself. Why? I don't need complicated. <laughs> you know, I'm a male. I, I don't ask for directions. 
Okay? I'll admit it, but you know what? I know some of you female don't either. All right? So I don't want to hear this male-female thing. When I'm in a test that I am guaranteed to come to prove my mettle, there is always, always, always one way out. The way out is the same with every test. I like that. Don't matter what it is. Every single trial, to every, even if it turns into a temptation, guess what? Has the same way out. If I'm in a test and there's only one way out, bring on the test. All I need to know is the way out, right? Whether that test becomes this, we know that God's going to bring it for our good. And we know that our flesh and the evil one will try to make it for evil. We know that. We've looked at this. Okay? So the way out is always the same. The way out is always the same. Cool, huh? You want to know the way out? Are you sure? Okay. The way out. Every test. The way out. Through it. Bummer, huh? Ever gotten into a tunnel? You go into the tunnel? Have you ever tried to turn around and go back out of the tunnel? If you do, we'll see you on the news. Huh? I've seen some tunnels that you can't turn around in. I've seen other tunnels you could, but everybody would know you done messed up. <laughs> right? When you are tested as a child of God, remember what we're looking at. The context is being useful in the kingdom of God. Remember the book of 1 Corinthians is dealing with personal holiness. If I'm in a test so that I can be useful and I will not become useless or disqualified, when I get into the test, it's just like entering into a tunnel. All right? And so the key to entering into the tunnel is what? Go through it. Testing is so you'll see God's faithfulness. I'm going to have my metal tested. You know what? It may come as acid. It may come as fire. And listen, if you don't believe this isn't true, let me ask you a question. Some of you understood some of the things that, that I've been through. You know, we had that meeting in October or whenever it was, uh, and, and some other stuff, and some of you I've shared with and all the rest of it. And, um, and, and, and here's what happens. We who are bearing the other one's burden, right? Okay. You got a friend, and they're really in it, buddy. I mean, they got it cranked up, twisted up, and it's just a mess right now. And then you got this friend, this precious saint, this precious friend, this person that you feel very dear about, and they're going through that thing. And, and your prayer sounds something like this. Lord, teach him what he needs to know. Take him through it until he learns it, all that he needs to know, and his purification is massive to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? And the re- reason I wrote that down is Wayne prayed that for me back in November. Okay? He says, take him through it. Because this is a great opportunity for Terry. I see your hand working on Terry. And then, and then it gives you that one statement that says, the calling and gifting are irrevocable and all that other stuff. And he says, take him through it. And I pray this, Lord, that he'll see you, he'll seek your face, and he'll go through this, okay? Right? We've all prayed that way for other people, haven't we? Maybe our spouses, maybe kids or something like that. But when it comes time to pray for you in the test, how do you pray? You're in the test. Out now. (laughs) Give me out yesterday and I'm just now getting a hold of it. Right? 
There ain't a getting out. You go through it, it's a tunnel. The only way out is through it. Why? Look what it says. He will provide a way of escape so that you will do what? Be able to endure it. Does that sound familiar? should. Sounds like this. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if you lack wisdom, ask God. (laughs) There's an interesting concept, isn't it? James chapter 1. See, so you see, it's right there. It's already given to us. You will be in a test, and there is an escape for it. Jesus in the wilderness. How did Jesus get through the testing in the wilderness? He took the full force of each temptation. You know what that means? He stayed. He stayed. You know what? There's a passage that we, live, we, we miss at the end of that. Because we think about the three temptations, we think about the 40 days. And what happened after Satan got ticked off and said, this ain't working, and left? Now, he didn't say that. That's a paraphrase. Okay? It says, angels came and ministered to him. Why would you want to get into the tunnel and stop and miss the angels? Because you know what's cool about it? You stop in the tunnel, guess what? You're still stopped in the tunnel. You are going to go through this thing and you can sit there and wait till you want to. But if you're in a tunnel, ask yourself, how effective are you for the kingdom of God stuck in your tunnel? You're not. So what you have to do is go through. Why? Because I want my metal tested. I want my gold to shine brighter. So when I come out, what is seen? The refined saint of God, refined by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, His glory getting brighter in me, and bring on the next test. I didn't get any amens out of that. Yeah, (laughs) amen for somebody else. Okay? The way of escape, go through it. So when you're in a test, when you're in a trial, and you right now, you either are or you're going to be, realize that being in a test, it is from God. And that the only way you're going to get through it is to lean full weight upon Him and He'll take you through it. All right? Because the word there, endure, endure, is a verb with a preposition. Okay, and it's a hoopo, and it means to come up under. You remember it from James. You've studied James with us. Hoopo mone means to come up under it and walk through it. Okay, you're under it. You have to go the whole way. That is endurance. Why? Because God wants to prove to you once and for all, you can't do it. But I will. And the only way you ever get that lovely lesson is through endurance. The only way you're going to go through it is remain under the thing. Let it have its work. Let it have its strength. Why? Let it have the way out through. And everybody's going to jump up and say, yippee. All right? I understand that God is going to bring tests, and Satan and my flesh are going to try to turn them into temptations to evil, and God is faithful. I understand that. It's a promise. He will never let me get into more than what I can handle. 
Okay, I love that idea, but I have to realize that the only way that I'm going to be able to handle this thing is to realize that I have to go through it and I have to endure it. All right? No problem. How do I endure it? How do I endure it? Okay? I'm going to give you three keys to endure every test that will ever be brought against you. Okay? I can tell you these three keys based on two things. The Word of God and my life. All right? You need to do it in this order. (laughs) You can try it another way, but it always works for me in this order. Number one, pray. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 38 says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Okay, a test can turn into a temptation if you don't pray. Okay, that's why in 5.17 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, you should pray without ceasing. John MacArthur stated it this way, prayer for a Christian should be like us breathing. Something we're in a constant state of. So the first thing that happens when you enter into a test, what should you do? Test. Pray. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you at a test today? Okay. Second thing. See, if I have that upward communication, the second thing becomes very easy. Trust. I have to trust that God has sent me this test for a great purpose. First and foremost, to strengthen me. Okay. Uh, You know, I I just thought about this one. Cool. (laughs) Preaching on the half shell. Chapter 5. Is it 5? Yep. <coughs> Bunch of suffering Christians in First Peter chapter 5. He says, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know what that's coming out of? Be sober in spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your what? Faith. You know what faith is, right? Trust. How do I resist Satan? Well, you bind him, don't you? Bind him. Well, somebody bind him and quit loosening him. I don't have no problem with that. If you want to bind him, but who keeps cutting him loose? Okay. But resist how? Now, do you understand that the temptation that Jesus Christ went through in the wilderness was against who? That would be that Lucifer guy, right? Now, do you understand that that was creation confronting creator? And what was Jesus' response to that creature? What did he do? He used the word of God. Why? God is faithful. And you don't separate God from his, from his word. So he used scripture to do what? Resist Satan. All right? <clears throat> and understand that well, after you suffered for a little while, he will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Faith. Faith in the fact that God has a purpose. And here comes the test. Here comes the trouble. Satan... 
or my flesh, I'm believing God in his purpose, in his plan, in his strengthening, in his glory. Let that stay external. Whose glory? God's glory. External. Whose test? God's test. Who tries to twist it? The enemy. External, external, external. Keep it external. It's coming against me. Why? It will confirm me. It will establish me. It will strengthen me. And I'm going to keep it out there. Why? Lo, he is with me most of the time. Always, even to the end of the age, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace in every circumstance. And the Lord be with you all. That's Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, 16, I think it is. Okay? Pray, trust. Thirdly, focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. <clears throat> Why? Well, in chapter 11, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Be imitators of... Me as I am of Christ. Please grab a hold of that. Please understand that. We have it in our mind. Well, God was this God thing and there's no way. Facsimile. You know, I say, but I can't be like Christ. Then be like Paul. Okay? It's not that complicated. Anyway, he says... Jesus Christ is the greatest example of enduring temptation. All right? And in uh, chapter 12, verses 3 and 4 of the book of Hebrews, he says this, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay? How often do I want to grow weary and lose heart? But if I'm focusing on me growing weary and me losing heart, guess what? I'm not focused on Christ. If I'm going to overcome these tests that are guaranteed to come, how am I going to do that? Well, you've heard this statement, right? Well, I'm in this tunnel and I see a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, and most of us say, that's a train. <laughs> okay. Focus on the light. Focus on the light. Why? It's Christ. It's Christ. Verse 4 of that text says, You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. Why? Who am I focused on? See, and the thing about Christ is He took, takes the test and He endured it to its very limit. Every test to its very limit. He was tested by his very incarnation. Think about that. I mean, leave holy perfection, the absolute no sin around and walk with us. What a test. Okay. He was tested by that and he never fell. He never, ever stopped. And if I'm in a test and it feels like I'm just getting run over, then what are you focusing on? Christ, if you're going to endure, you must first pray. You must first, then second, trust. And third, you will focus on Christ. Why? If I focus on Christ, my trust will grow. And the whole time, what am I doing? Talking to him. 
Daddy, get me out of this. He says, I am. See, your Christian freedom, you're going to have test. And as that Cajun would say, guaranteed. Okay? Just keep them as test. Do what you must to endure it. Pray, trust God, focus on Christ. Lean not on your understanding, but full weight upon our forerunner. And I'm going to close it with this. I, was, I thought about this the, the other day. Um, I've read Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you have, some of you haven't. If you've read it, it's a phenomenal book. I encourage you to read it. Uh, and it's out in New English today, so you don't have to. What the heck did he say? All right. Um, there's a part in the book where Christian and Hopeful are cruising along, and, and they get tired, and they fall asleep in a field. Okay? And the field is, 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 belongs to the giant of despair. And the giant of despair lives in Doubting Castle. Okay? Well, the giant cop's an attitude that these two guys would be laying in, the, in his field, so he throws them in the dungeon. And he comes down, and he beats on them. Just beats the stew out of both of them, continually. So bad does he beat them, that they want to kill themselves. That is how great their despair is. That is how great their doubt is. And this is a test. Then Christian, all of a sudden he realizes that he has a key. And he states this, I quote, What a fool I am to lie in this stinking dungeon. I have a key to walk in freedom. Key. He had it all the time. He had a key. All right? And you know what was neat about the key? The key had a promise. He pulls out the key, puts it in the lock, and he finds out that the key unlocks every lock in Doubting Castle. It has a promise. And on his way out, him and Hopeful cruising and running, and the giant chases him. I mean, it's a cool story. Okay, what Bunyan is trying to do, and if you really want to be bizarre about it, he's writing this imprisoned away from his family. Okay, you're going to have trials. If you let those trials turn into temptation, you are going to end up doubting. Has God said? And yet, you'll end up in a castle, in a dungeon. And you'll be under a lock of great despair. And you know what to get you out? You already possess. And it already has a promise on it. The promise? Know that God has a purpose. Know that God is faithful. And know that God is going to bring you through it for His perfect work. Therefore, no temptation has seized you, but that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will provide a way out that you may endure it. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your word. I praise you for my brother Paul. Father, the things that he endured. Father, the amazement of his life. Father, I just lift all of us to you, that we understand your promise Father, you have overcome. Father, let us draw near to the statement of our Savior when he says, it is finished. Father, let us understand that you will have your perfect work. 
Father, there's many in this room this day who are in test. Father, and some would seem overwhelming. Father, I pray that even if they are in a test, even if it seems overwhelming, that they understand that it's common to man, that they understand that they have a body of brothers and sisters around them who have been through it. And Father, we would hold one another up. We'd encourage one another. We'd draw nearer to one another. Father, that we'd even confess to one another. And Father, that we and the love that you've poured in our hearts would love as you love us. And that love would cover a multitude of sin. And Father, we would draw upon you who only spoke existence into being and rejoice at being a part of what you're doing. To your praise, to your glory. In Christ's precious name.